Hello, hello to all my brujas and brujas out there. Welcome to the Feel Good Milk. We're delighted you have tuned in and we have a special episode for you at this wonderful time of the year where everything supernatural and spooky are the focus. Our episode today covers the topic of brujería or witchcraft. We'll discuss what it means to us go into brief historical context, and predict what the future holds for the community of brujas and brujería. (laughs) (laughs) We'll use the terms bruja and brujería in a way that may appear to clump all terms of wizardry, spell work, and anything witchy together. However, labels are sometimes important for clarifying and for the sake of the context, We identify most with the term bruja, as it alludes to our ancestral connection with the earth, the spirit realm, and our individual soul power. Yes, I feel like we are tapping into our Harry Potter vibes, but that will not be a topic during this discussion. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, But good point about clarifying the terms that we're using, because by no means we want to misrepresent this community. Uh, To observe Halloween spirit, we actually initially thought of discussing Dia de los Muertos, since we are both rooted in our Mexican culture and really enjoy the Day of the Dead and what it represents. Um, And we are also very glad to learn from those who follow us on Instagram that this was such a big topic of interest. Thank you so much for voting. And if you haven't followed us on Insta yet, please do. We love sharing insights into our recording sessions. Yes. And in doing the research for Dia de los Muertos, let's just say we went into a research rabbit hole that led (laughs) us to the topics of witches and brujas, which uncovered some really neat info about the origin, the stigmas, and what witches and or witchcraft means in modern day, not only during Halloween week, but year round as we've learned for many witchcraft is a lifestyle. Our intent is to share what we've learned around the topic. So let's start with the origin. Angie, give us the goods on where witchcraft originated and what is it? Before I jump to the origin, when I reference Latino, I want to note that although we identify with the Latino community, there are many other subcultures such as Latinx, Mestizo, Chicano, etc. that exist. Mm -hmm. Each subculture has their differences and are definitely not the same just because Spanish may be the primary language. With that being said, as Latinos, we understand that our roots originate in areas of Latino America where there's a mix. There's been a mix. Those who colonize and those who are the victims of colonization. So according to Wiki, Brujería, or witchcraft, in Latin America and the Afro-Caribbean carry influences from indigenous religions, Catholicism, and European witchcraft. Which is interesting because as the indigenous peoples were forced into Catholicism, it appears that in many cases, things have been blurred and or combined in such a way that yields many forms, many different forms of spiritual practices. Hmm. For example, 
The Catholic Church condemns witchcraft, yet many witches are highly influenced by the church itself. In the article by Trinity University titled Stigmatized Workers and Identity Formation, Spiritual Healers of Botanicas in San Antonio, <laughs> long title, <laughs> I quote, the Catholic Church is the primary source of this stigma within Latino communities, as it has historically denounced these practices as heretics. Earliest witches date back to 931 BC, but didn't really come about until the 1500s, where the stigma of black magic became an interest to the Archbishop of Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic mm -hmm. and later Puerto Rico. So these voodoo rituals were feared as they appeared to worship the devil. However, those who practice witchcraft focus mainly on the spiritual aspect, not necessarily the ritualistic objects. But that may not always be the case. Wow, that's so interesting. I think what's important to note is that the power of spirit or spirits are believed to influence health, labor, relationships, and career with or without human interaction. But for best results, human intention is highly important. The active art of manifestation can be seen as witchcraft in which healing, divination, and rituals play a big part in creating your reality. Wow, that's so much to unpack. Uh, but I completely agree. The intention and meaning behind spiritual practices and the healing services has been so distorted um, over time. It doesn't surprise me at all that witchcraft didn't catch wind in the public eye until an archbishop spoke about it, likely negatively too. <laughs> um, and I'm not clear on the origin of the term black magic per se, but it's through stereotyping and chastising groups of people or beliefs that stigmas are formed. We'll talk about this soon, but the word witch and the practice of witchcraft or brujeria are often considered synonymous to or believed to be associated with satanic practices or things like black magic. There's no wonder people hesitate to touch the subject or to even be open to the idea that witchcraft doesn't always involve dark energy or curses that you know, everyone's so afraid of. Yeah. When you, when you talk about black magic, it reminds me of the time or the moment that I realized that there's a difference between black magic and white magic. So uh -huh. the stigma with magic always was associated with black magic mm -hmm. and black magic is kind of like when you have ill intent and you're placing that on other people, white magic is the same thing, but you're not inflicting it on anyone else. You're doing it for the good of yourself or the people around you. So that's, just, that's, that's helpful in thinking about the difference between magic, but we all are able to yeah, right. be magicians. <laughs> it's just how do you use your power? No, it's very true. And it kind of goes back to your point just now about manifestation, right? Like those who are in tune with themselves or have done some sort of reading about um, the arts of manifesting, there really is the, the light, you know, within, um, which I guess 
if we're labeling them white versus black magic. I have a huge problem with, you know, the way that things are labeled to identify what's good and what's bad. Uh, But in this case, if we're talking about the light, um, you know, we all have that potential power to manifest anything positive in our life. Uh, The more you are really placing an intention out on the universe and you're, you know, putting in the work to make something happen, um, then I think that a lot of it is from the energy that you radiate that's really powerful. And on the flip side, I think that humans are just as capable of going into a downward spiral um, when thinking about your shadow work, right? Like that's, it's just a shadow. It's it's the, the work that arises um, when you haven't yet fully healed or addressed an area in your life that needs to be cleared on in order for you to move on to like the next level of your spiritual enlightenment. So that's also very similar to um, creating your own reality. It can be very positive or it can be very negative. Like sometimes there is a true thing as a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the more you're like pumping yourself with like these affirmations and the belief that you can do things and accomplish what you want, like you're, you're probably going to, it's going to happen more than more likely than not. Uh, But if you're also, you know, focusing on the negative things, it can be something super simple, like. Um, I had, I have a friend who got into so several, um, different car accidents and at a point in time, it's like, if you're seeking, if you're constantly focusing on that, on like, I don't want to get into another accident or like, I don't want to bump my car again. Mm. It's almost like you're attracting it. You're changing your behavior. Things start to shift because you're, you're focusing the wrong energy, um, in that moment in time. Yeah, it reminded me of the situation that I think everyone can relate to that moment when you get a new car and you see that car everywhere. It's like it didn't all of a sudden just start appearing everywhere. It just so happened that that's what you're thinking about and you're excited about your car. And that's the only car you're really paying attention to on mm-hmm. the road. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that in real life. Exactly. In so many ways, the way that we manifest good things or bad things in our life, it could be our worrying habits, our Mm -hmm. anxious tendencies that often bring those things we fear. And we're like, I knew that was going to happen. Well, yeah, you were thinking about it (laughs) all morning. (laughs) It was bound to happen. Yeah, totally. I like that. I like that you coined, uh, you said light magic and dark magic. That actually just sounds really, really true to how I want to represent mm-hmm. the different forms of magic. That that sounds good. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of came up with that one on the whim. But that's yeah. really how I interpret it. It's like there's like the light and the dark. Um, and both are equally important, I feel, for the sake of duality, because mm-hmm. that's just what exists in nature, in the universe. It's beautiful uh, planets, and you can see them in stars because there's there's light focused in those areas of these celestial beings. However, they're surrounded by vast void darkness mm-hmm. and that's an example of how duality is at work in the universe yes exactly i love the way you put that um 
And then to your point about how other religions had an influence on witchcraft was so unexpected. Like, I honestly didn't have uh, that knowledge before we started going into this research. Um, and then I read the article that I shared about, which is um, actually the article's called, which is based centuries old stigma. And it was written by a woman who actually identifies herself as a modern witch. Um, so she talks about how witchcraft, paganism, and occult worship, and basically her point was that, you know, there's a lot of similarities between uh, that sort of practice and religion. Mm-hmm. Um, but what she would consider, you know, the occult or, or people in the realm that we're speaking of is that their focus um, is on earth, mm. right? So um, it would be considered an earth religion that focuses on the four elements of the earth, which are wind, water, fire, and earth, as well as the phases of the moon and the cosmos. So when you mentioned the practices of indigenous people before their land was colonized and before religion was imposed on them, their faith or spirituality was primarily rooted in their connection to the earth and their inner knowing of this manifestation that we're talking about manifestation would be the equivalent to prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of the the case that she was pinning is that, you know, whether it's a religion or, you know, this earth religion, um, both set intentions, whether that's on protection, health, relationships, et cetera, just like you mentioned earlier. But the source to whom or what that intention is directed to is perceived very differently. Similarly, some religions practice certain rituals, such as observing specific dates, blessing wine, using candles and incense and making offerings. So there's actually a lot of similarities. Yes, Catholicism sheds light on the easily accepted notion that bread turns into the body of Christ and wine is converted into his blood and that both represent something sacred which is the everlasting covenant in which God and humans agree on this contract. Hmm. That can easily explain why moon water is a thing we see popping up on spiritual TikTok. I think it's fascinating to set intentions with water you drink and make meaning in your life and everything that you do to continue creating the reality that you so desire. When we speak of our ancestry today, we place more emphasis on the indigenous versions of ourself, those who were more in touch with earth. Sam, as you said earlier, those who had a religion and relationship with earth. Some of their beliefs and rituals were indeed frowned upon and usually went against the teachings of mainstream religions. These members of ancient societies have been referred to as curanderos or curanderas, which are basically shamans and for centuries they have been marginalized exploited violated killed and deemed as evil i see this on mainstream media too people associate anyone who wears the evil eye they consider them evil but it's really just misunderstood we're not evil because we wear the evil eye there is a greater significance behind it all for those who dig a little deeper And we are healers and protectors of our energy. 
and understand that the physical world is only a fraction of our consciousness. And I think that's why when you mentioned earlier, like the phases of the moon are important, the cosmos, like there's much more out there. And these ancient indigenous tribes understood this very well. Yes. Then it was like wiped clean from them or mixed. Right, right. Um, and the significance and purpose that a curandero or a curandera served in their community was to heal, you know, was to protect those who sought them. But their service to the community was neglected and scrutinized over centuries with the rise of devoted religious folks. So over time in America, members who continued practicing and carrying over the knowledge of these ancient societies were later labeled as witches. And we all know about the Salem witch trials that occurred in Massachusetts back in the 1600s. I'm surprised you found only 30 people were executed. That was it? That's it? According to what I read, but there were more people. There were like around 300 people who were accused, Mm. um, but only 30 people that were actually um, executed. I was just just watching Hocus Pocus, and they were burning the Sanderson sisters in the beginning because they were witches. So that's very interesting. I think mainstream media makes you think or whatever we've learned in history books that if you were a witch you were most likely murdered um so that that was news to me (laughs) no yeah there's actually like a lot of like fun nuggets about like the salem witch trials yeah and what's wild um so how i mentioned earlier that there were around 300 people accused uh, but apparently most people who confessed to being a witch weren't executed only those who refused to confess were the people that were executed Mm, and when you say people were men involved too so i don't really know i mean i probably should have dug deeper into this research (laughs) but what i do know is that the majority were women Mm, yeah Um, yeah. And so it just, you know, so it just becomes so political and we're going to like dig into this more, but like the significance of these Salem trials was that it did shed light on the mistrust, corruption of the government and also the deep misogynistic culture. Now, this is an iconic cautionary tale of witches in the States that is most popular because of the book, The Crucibles. Mm-hmm. But there are a number of groups around the world who are part of occult practices in witchcraft today, namely in China, Africa, Latin America, Haiti, um, so many places. And guess what? Those who are accused and or punished for witchcraft are often the most vulnerable members of society. So the woman, right? Mm-hmm. But... There's actually an organization called the Witchcraft and Human Rights Information Network, such a loaded organization name. Um, For sure, it's W-H-R-I-N, which I had no clue existed, uh, but they pretty much are, are, you know, human rights organization that um, tap into cases to defend and protect uh, women who, women and people, vulnerable people, who are um, pinned against witchcraft um, and therefore 
um, pretty much experience, you know, all sorts of neglect and abuse. So I'm curious, like, is it because women are vulnerable that they are being, that they've been treated like this in the past or continue to, because you have this organization, or is it because women are the more intuitive species? (laughs) Is Is it target vulnerable groups? Or is it, is that like alluding to the fact that women have been very intuitive mm-hmm. for years and years. Yes. It could be both, right? I think it could be both. Um, because like the cases that came out of WHRIN, they noted that most cases mainly did target women. Like I was scratching my head on this too. And then I started to think like, there are so many women in the States who... Um, you know, there's cases of domestic abuse and all sorts of, you know, misogynistic um, cases, harassment. Um, the number, I, I couldn't give you one. I didn't actually do research on what that number is. But, you know, and that's like only in the states um, mm-hmm. where we are, you know, considered um, to, to have more, more protection um, and maybe a little bit more advanced than other countries and, you know, third world countries as well. So I think that, you know, um, I think that women definitely are, are um, the vulnerable group um, because they don't have as many rights as we would here. And it goes even deeper. Another article I read mentioned that in regard to the slave trade in the Atlantic, and I quote, in response to the rising demand for slaves, which trials became a common vehicle of supplying captives by condemning the accused individual and their families to slavery. And alike in the UK, there was uh, nearly 1,500 cases of child abuse, which were linked to concerns over witchcraft, which is ridiculous. So since the term witch or witchcraft has become so heavily stigmatized, it's been used as a scapegoat for people in authority to justify their unjust and frankly disgusting behavior toward marginalized and vulnerable people. Great breakdown. This goes deep. And it makes me think these were additional ways to silence the inner knowing that is strong in many of us. And it appears that in this case, it's it's the silencing of women. Mm-hmm. It's a reminder that the power resides in the individual. In an article published in January 2020 by Robin Young, titled, Can Spirituality Exist Without God? A Growing Number of Americans Say Yes. That article uh, mentioned that one in four Americans say they're spiritual but not religious, and that the population of people who believe it's more about meditating than praying is increasing, and it's on the rise, especially in younger generations. And that it's about constantly looking inward, recentering yourself, and looking beyond ourselves, as Krista Tippett once said. This includes looking at holidays like Halloween and Dia de los Muertos as potential to tap into our spirituality since the origin of Halloween actually has a spiritual history in Ireland. But what do Irish, Mexican, and other cultures have in common? An understanding of timing on Earth. Mm -hmm. 
this time in the year marks the halfway point between our autumnal equinox and the winter solstice for the northern hemisphere. So many holidays coincide with this time of darkness on Earth that is associated with Halloween, Day of the Dead, All Saints Day, etc. Although we don't need a holiday to channel our spirit guides, God, and our other interdimensional beings, it's still a much celebrated moment in our current time. And I'm pretty sure I read somewhere we spent a lot of money on Halloween. Like we love this holiday. Oh yeah. Costumes, candy, activities, etc. Yes, we sure do. And I feel so behind <clears throat> right now. Like I have no costume. I'm not dressing up this year. I'll be in Mexico. So hopefully I'll get to experience Dia de los Muertos. Yes, I hope you do. It's not necessarily even about the candy and the costumes. It's about understanding that the earth in its position, in its revolution around the sun is going into a moment of darkness. Yes. Which brings up all, all those feels of... Um, spookiness or just tapping into your your reflective period right. uh it's not summer it's really we're going into hibernation and i think that all of these traditions coincide with those ideas that we understood early on it's just the way that they've been transformed throughout time to represent different things is is quite neat it very much is um and, you know, to your point about the the consumer part of Halloween, like we've lost touch of all of that. And Halloween has just become um, a way to like really capitalize and for consumers to, you know, spend money, get on their apps, get on Amazon, get mm -hmm. cute, you know, everyone kind of gets to practice and bring out their, uh, their alter ego. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, it's also really important um, for us to understand, like, what's behind Halloween? You know, what's the meaning of it? What's the meaning of Dia de los Muertos? Yeah, and I, I think that's why Halloween kind of means nothing to me anymore. Day of the Dead is where the richness is at mm -hmm. for me. Um, and many people might be interested in Day of the Dead and since they are maybe they don't have origins in latin america they feel like it's cultural appropriation but our community is quite open <laughs> this is an open practice you can totally dive into it it's there's no shame in the interest that that it has and the lure that it has to really ponder on our past and our our deceased ancestors and the fact that they come to visit this this time of the year because the veil between the physical world and the spiritual world is very thin is just completely fascinating. And I love it. Yes. Yes, yes. And the Day of the Dead it aligns with the end of harvesting, like you mentioned. And naturally, it becomes a time of rest and reflection. With that said, aside from forming or participating in impactful groups, it's also important to practice 
and carry on cultural observances like Dia de los Muertos. We've talked about how much we love it because of the significance and because it's a time for people to celebrate the lives of their deceased loved ones. When I was in Mexico, I just remember like the energy um, there was completely magical. There was hundreds of altars around the city, every restaurant, bar, had families or groups of friends with their faces painted and marigold flowers clipped onto their hair and clothing. It was, even though it was a parade, it was like truly, um, you know, resembling the energy depicted in the Disney film Coco. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. Yes, it's so good. And, you know, like this is also a time when humans in this physical dimension believe that the dead can be awakened from their eternal sleep to celebrate with their loved ones. So it doesn't get more spiritual than that. Like we're actually acknowledging that, you know, we believe in another realm or another mm -hmm. dimension where our loved ones who have deceased have, are there. Yeah. And I, I honestly love that movie so much because it helps to shed light on one of the most primal fears of humans which is death a lot of people mm -hmm. fear death and have all these emotions when it comes to death but like you mentioned Coco it really plays on the celebration that mm -hmm. death that death has yeah in, in our culture death in the latino culture as it relates to the other los muertos is actually centered on the celebration of afterlife mm -hmm. and it's believed that the remembrance of our deceased loved ones keeps them from an abysmal forgotten spiritual world so it keeps that connection alive even after they've been gone the use yeah. of and the creation of ofrendas, which are altars, is a huge part in the celebration. But the power truly lies in the consciousness of indi all individuals involved, past and present. We don't need a specific calendar day to channel our ancestors, but we take the time to honor them November 1st and 2nd. Yes, right. And sometimes... All we need is a little bit of magic, you know, to believe that we can communicate with the deceased uh, loved ones, even if only for a day, to believe that we are being guided and guarded by our guardian angels, to believe that the intention we set can be manifested through the power of our word and backed by our actions. Like, you don't always have to see it to believe it. And as we wrap up this episode, I encourage you to take a moment to reflect on the magic you've had, the ability to create in your life through your own power of manifestation. We all have it. We just need to simply tune in to our intuition and believe. Yes. And again, we invite you to join us in reclaiming your power. It is our belief that we have ancestral DNA tied to lineages that have suffered stigma for far too long. It's an intrinsic ability innate in everyone to manifest your reality. Through consistent practices and rituals and spiritual growth, you can unlock with ease the magic you possess. As the wise Bruja slash professor, Dr. Maria de Blases said, we acknowledge that there are powerful magics in our bloodlines even if we can't fully reclaim them or know their origin. 
It is enough to know they are there. We forge new paths. We push back against cultural norms. Brujería will no longer remain a stigma to our individual power. We all have individual soul power. We sure do. And although that might have been the story of the past, you had the chance to reclaim your story by tapping into that soul power. Yes. And until later, adios, brujas. Hasta pronto. Bye. Bye.